At Idea Public Schools, we're more than K-12 schools that are open to all students. We're dreamers. We're scholars. We're creators. We're leaders. We're the future. And our success starts now. Apply to attend Idea Public Schools for the 2022-2023 school year by visiting ideapublicschools.org slash apply. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zerniel and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel. We thank you so much for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernio. Uh, Carol, as many of you know, is a nationally recognized gerontologist. She was named one of the nation's top 50 influencers in aging by Next Avenue. She's a undergraduate degree is from Trinity University. She has a master's degree in social gerontology from the University of the Incarnate Word. Carol's been involved in the field of aging for some 30 years. She's executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. And, and once again, Carol, delighted to have you with us as co-host here on Caregiver SOS On Air, you know as well as anybody, probably more so because of what you do, about stress and how it affects the heart. Oh, yes. I, I, the stress that I know everyone is feeling, whether they're a professional or if they're a family caregiver, uh, we recently partnered with Dr. Jamie to help a lot of our uh, professionals who work with older persons uh, in San Antonio, de-stress. We just had a one-hour de-stress session because it, you know we it's been a long pandemic, uh, and this year is is not quite going as well as we had hoped. Probably <laughs> yet we're hoping to see some daylight. And and I could not be happier than to have Dr. Marissa Charles with us today, um, who does WellMed Radio, and and I and, you know we were laughing about WellMed SOS. And so it's like the bands together, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a Lollapalooza caregiver SOS. Well, indeed, we're delighted to have uh, Dr. Marisa Charles. She is my co-host on WellMed Radio and delighted to have her here on Caregiver SOS on air. Dr. Charles is board certified in family medicine. She received her Bachelor of Arts degree with a major in biology, a minor in chemistry from Texas A&M University College Station. She earned her medical degree from the University of North Texas Health Science Center in Fort Worth. Dr. Charles completed her family medicine residency at the Christus Spahn Memorial Hospital in Corpus Christi, and she is a DO, a doctor of osteopathy. And uh, uh, Marisa, it is great to have you on Caregiver SOS on air. It's kind of fun to be on the other side. Yeah, I kind of well, like it. I got a cool email from you the other day uh, sharing with me news that uh, you've been asked by the Heart Association uh, to try to raise some money to help people fight heart disease. Talk to us about that and how stress and the heart go together in Heart Health Month. You know, um, the American Heart Association um, does such good work, you know, trying to um, educate and further um, people's awareness of heart disease. I mean, heart disease is still one of is the number one killer globally, according to the World Health Organization, in both men and women. So the American Heart Association 
in its efforts to educate about the effects of coronary artery disease and strokes in women um, has their Go Red for Women campaign. And as part of the Go Red for Women campaign, they have um, contacted, I mean, there's maybe seven or eight of us that are tasked with raising funds, raising money to try to um, further the cause and be able to spread the message to more people. So we've been um, participating in this campaign. It goes, um, it was, it's about a six week campaign and it ends in, on April 7th. So we still have a couple more weeks of the campaign trying to raise some funds. And um, we've done a couple of things already, some raffles and we did a, a cycling event, which is fantastic for the heart. And I think we have one more planned coming up. But the main thing is um, educating educating people, especially women, because you think about heart attacks and you think about men having heart attacks. You think about, you know, the the pain going down the arm and going up the neck and um, the, you know, elephant sitting on your chest, you know, those symptoms. And women have heart attacks too, but sometimes they look a little different. You know, it doesn't necessarily have the exact same picture that you would expect in a, in a man. Sometimes you'll see Patients complaining of shortness of breath, a sensation of anxiety or impending doom. Um, you can see some radiation down the arm that can happen and up the neck in women as well, but it does often present a little bit different. I have a good friend who, a uh, female, who went through exactly that, <clears throat> pardon me, who uh, went to the hospital, was feeling out of sorts, didn't have the classic symptoms. They sent her home and said, you'll be okay. She went back to the hospital later, diagnosed with a heart attack. Yeah. Fortunately, she survived. Fortunately. So another amazing thing that the American Heart Association does is help educate people about hands-free CPR or, right, hands-only CPR, hands-only CPR, not hands-free. But nowadays, like there's so many people that have been affected by having family members have heart attacks sometimes in front of them, that knowing CPR is very important. The American Heart Association does put forward some YouTube videos that you can look up on how to perform hands-only CPR. And I don't know about you, but I do have, actually my husband's aunt had to perform CPR on her husband and he survived. But, you know, that was a, a very difficult experience for her. I want to take a moment and let folks know if they just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. And we're talking on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline with my co-host from WellMed Radio, our guest today, Dr. Marisa Charles, talking about stress, the heart, Heart Health Month, and her effort to raise money for the American Heart Association. Carol? Well, I just wanted to to thank Dr. Charles for bringing up CPR. I, you know, I had the um, privilege of taking a CPR class uh, shortly before the pandemic. And before I would have hesitated, I would have hesitated. I would have been afraid to do CPR. You hear broken ribs, you hear, you know, it just seems so scary, right? And then after taking the CPR class, I wouldn't hesitate at all. 
Um, and so, you know, CPR, if the, if you can check out the YouTube video, even if the pandemic is not the right time to go get official training, um, you know, the, the opposite of doing the CPR is that person may die. Uh, and so uh, it's worth trying to save their life. Uh, and it's a really great skill. Um, and, and I have to give a shout out to the American Heart Association. I had the privilege of serving with Cass Wheeler on the National Council on Aging Board, who was the CEO of the American Heart Association when the Go Red campaign was started. Uh, and so that focus on women and heart health, we're still not there yet. We still don't understand as women uh, the importance of heart health. And now you can overlay the stress that we all feel these days on top of it that can actually aggravate it. Well, Dr. Charles, give us the 411 on what the stress does to the heart. Well, so many things that you can attribute uh, um, in when it comes to heart health and stress. So stress can cause, um, well, emotional stress, for example, you know, people uh, can have higher blood pressure readings, you know, blood pressure affects the heart negatively and can increase the risk of heart attacks and conditions such as congestive heart failure. So if the blood pressure is very elevated, um, the heart muscle has to work harder to get blood pumping to all the extremities where it's needed. And so you can get thickened muscle in the heart that doesn't relax the way it should and leads to congestive heart failure and can lead to swelling in the legs and shortness of breath and fluid that can um, accumulate not only in, in the extremities, but also in the lungs and around the heart, um, which can be obviously a very difficult condition to have to treat and have to deal with. Um, people that are very stressed often don't sleep well, you know, they, um, and that also can increase hormone levels and um, increase the, the risk of elevated heart rates. Um, sometimes we'll see arrhythmias, you know, tachycardias, meaning the heart rate going very fast um, in a situation where the, the rapid heart rate can cause symptoms. So, you know, there's so many things that, that stress can do. So we talk about ways to reduce stress and ways to, to try to reduce the symptoms, um, such as exercising regularly. It makes such a big difference when you're exercising regularly and um, getting that good, you know, circulation to the extremities and to the brain. Um, important with uh, diet as well. You know, people that are very stressed may tend to maybe have imbibed more in things like alcohol, might smoke more, might, um, you know, cope with their stress in different ways, which can also lead to more detriment. Smoking, for example, is a, a great example of how people that are very stressed may use that to cope, but the nicotine and the, the cigarettes, you know, can actually worsen um, the risk of heart attacks and strokes as well. The other day with Dr. Jamie Heisman, and on take 10 about self-medication, and that's what you're describing, right? Absolutely. Self-medicating with alcohol, self-medicating with nicotine, with cigarettes. Um, and sometimes when you're stressed, you may not want to do the things that you know are good for you. You may not want to exercise. You may not want to, um, you know, try to deal with the emotional components, the emotional stress. We talk so much about, you know, meditation, things like yoga, things like talking to a therapist. And these are things when you're under uh, extreme stress, you may not be in a place mentally where you want to do that. 
All right, stay with me in just a minute. You know how this works. We're going to come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, <clears throat> pardon me, Carol Zerniel, as I choke to death, and our guest, Dr. Marisa Charles. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. We are so pleased you are with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I apologize for battling a frog in my throat. often wonder what Kermit says when he has a throat problem. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Marisa Charles, who is with us today as a guest and also a co-host on WellMed Radio and our co-host here on Caregiver SOS On Air. We're talking with Carol Zerniel as well and delighted to have her here. And Marisa, we're talking about uh, Heart Health Month and your effort to raise money. And Carol, you've got a comment. Well, I actually have a question. We were talking about heart health and how women don't always pay as much attention. Why do you think that that, that it often isn't identified? Why did we have to invent Wear Red for Heart Health Month? That's such a good question. I think women tend to want to take care of everybody else first and put their needs second. You know, I think we do it as mothers. We do it as daughters, we do it as um, even in the workplace where, you know, we have a mentality to want to serve and minimize our own symptoms, minimize our own, um, you know, needs at times and forsake that for the well-being of others in our family. So maybe we're not um, socially conditioned to express our um, symptoms, our concerns. You know, I think we also tend to internalize a lot of traumas, you know, things that happen in our lives that we don't deal with appropriately. And then those can become symptoms. And you don't want to be, I, I think, you know, considered the person that's always complaining about this or complaining about that. I think that also plays a, a role. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, you know, with listening to you, I'm thinking about how, um, you know, just to present, you know, the idea of presenting yourself as ill, it, it can be cultural, right? It can depend on how you are socialized, how your family operates. You know, is it okay to talk about not feeling well? Are you supposed to just kind of suck it up? Um, and so, um, you know, it, and also part of our, as women, you know, it's not attractive to be not feel well. Uh, and we're sort of always conditioned to put our best face forward. And that's certainly not, um, I don't feel good. I'm cold and clammy and, and something's weird. So, you know, it, but it's good to point those things out. Um, like Ron mentioned, his friend, I have a, a good friend who was on her way to yoga, who exercised regularly, was not, uh, you know, middle-aged in good health, who happened to have just a little piece of plaque black, you know, fall off and get blocked 
one of the arteries and she went to yoga, felt terrible, but she muscled through yoga and she was going to go for a run. And if she had not collapsed on the sidewalk and somebody said, you need to go to the doctor. And then when she got to the hospital, they said, well, you're having a heart attack. She did not believe them. Absolutely did not believe them because she was healthy. She exercised. Um, but you know, that when, when something goes wrong, acknowledging something is different here is really important. I'm assuming she survived because you know the story. Yes, she survived. You know, she's uh, got a medication and she's doing very well, but it could have gone the wow. other way. Um, if somebody hadn't really kicked her literally, <laughs> that you have to get to the hospital. That's incredible. Well, Dr. Charles, go through what the symptoms for men and women might be uh, before you uh, uh, decide not to go to the hospital. What are you looking I know, for? I know it can be difficult because there are other things that could present as, say, chest pain. But the main things that you're looking for when you're when there's a possibility of a heart attack. So the, the typical, you know, in a man, for example, the typical things we would see would be chest pain, Sometimes with a pressure-like characteristic, you um, often hear people talk about uh, an elephant sitting on their chest or a pressure-like sensation in the chest. We'll often see pain that radiates down the arm. Sometimes it can feel like an ache or a numbness going down the arm or up the neck um, into the jawline. Those are pretty common symptoms, often associated with nausea, sweating, um, you'll see people come in very clammy, very sweaty, and and then, you know, the, the chest pain itself. Sometimes in women, it'll be more of a, of a shortness of breath, you know, um, hey, you know, before I could walk from here to the car with no trouble, and now it's harder, like I just can't seem to catch my breath well enough, which can be a very vague symptom. Sometimes it seems more like... Um, anxiety or, you know, I can't get a deep enough breath in and I can't explain why. We often will see the, the, the nausea and the, the sweatiness, you know, a little bit of a, of a shine um, with the symptom of chest pressure, chest discomfort in women, but it can also be more vague. And then the problem is there's so many other things that can present the same way. You know, it could be heartburn. It could be, um, uh, anxiety actually does present often in a manner that can look like a heart attack. But the important thing is going and getting checked out. The only way you're going to know for sure is through medical testing and EKG, um, you know, other, other imaging. Sometimes you have to do, you know, you do the aspirin, you do nitroglycerin, there's medications that we can give you. And, and if the symptoms resolve with those medications, that can be another indicator that there might be a blockage or if, the, if they improve at least, maybe not resolve all the way. Well, the other question that often comes up is when do you know you need to call an ambulance? There's always this tug of war of do I drive this person to the hospital or do I call an ambulance? Because they worry about people worry about the money. But when did you when what would you recommend for you know definitely call the ambulance? So, you know, crushing chest pain with shortness of breath, sweating, and nausea, I think would be a good a good reason to call the ambulance. The concern is, you know, if, for example, driving yourself to the hospital is probably not a good idea when you're having chest pain, like your friend who collapsed on the side of the road. 
you know, if that were to have happened to her while she was driving, um, you know, she could hurt not only herself, but somebody else. Um, so if you have somebody that can take you and the symptoms are maybe mild to moderate, okay, maybe that would be advisable. However, if you're in the car and say somebody's driving you and you were to pass out, collapse, you know, cardiac faint, arrest, cardiac arrest in the car, then what? Do you pull over? Do you keep going? Do you, um, you know, for the person who's taking that person to the, the hospital? So often, like here in the clinic, if we have a person that we're highly suspicious of a, of a heart attack in MI who's having all of the classic symptoms, we don't give them the option. Well, you know, obviously you always have the option, but we make them sign against medical advice um, if they decline the ambulance for that same reason. Because if from here, you know, even just the short distance from the clinic to the hospital, if that person collapses in the car and dies, you know, that's a, a very big liability and a very big concern. And then for those who have advanced directives and have a DNR, uh, if they're in the clinic uh, and they uh, uh, suffer cardiac arrest, uh, do you try to revive them? So if they have signed that they do not want aggressive resuscitation, then chest compressions and, and breathing, you know, no, we, we wouldn't do those things. However, do not resuscitate doesn't mean do not treat. So, you know, does mean we could maybe give them some aspirin, maybe give them some nitroglycerin to try to help with the symptoms and, you know, go ahead and transport them to a higher level of care if that's what they want. Now, some patients who are, you know, very on an age or very ill with other conditions, you know, be it terminal cancers, terminal um, emphysema, um, terminal heart disease, they may not want even that. Like, I don't want to go to the hospital at all. I'd rather go home and, and be comfortable and be with my family. Those are, you know, decisions that you can make. And if you've, you know, if that's how you want to be um, treated. Although usually if a patient's having symptoms and they come here, it means they probably do want us to do something. So um, DNRs, right. DNRs can be revoked. You know, if in that moment you say, you know what, nope, do everything. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd rather, you know, go and be evaluated and be treated then, then you can do that, you know, but these are conversations that we do like to have with our patients and we do, prefer that they think about it and talk to their family about it because if the patient's not able to communicate then the family needs to know like should we proceed should we go ahead and, and attempt resuscitation or you know if they've signed dnr then we would not then we would not do cpr we would let them go now in the couple of minutes we have left for those who have just joined us you're trying to raise some money for the american heart association uh, how do people support your campaign so there is, through the American Heart Association, um, there's a website through the Go Red for Women um, called the Women of Impact. And so you can Google Women of Impact um, in San Antonio, Texas, and you'll see a little list of maybe six or seven people, and you'd see my name as one of the people on that list, so Dr. Marissa Charles. And you just click on the link, and it takes you to a donation site where you could choose to donate. And really, I think it says the minimum is $25, but you can actually donate less if you want to, and it'll still go through. Um, we appreciate any donation, of course. Nothing is too big or too 
small. So now do you have a goal? Yes. And we're, we're close. We're, we've hit about maybe 75% of our goal. Um, we're trying to raise $10,000. Um, everybody's goal is different. Um, this was my first foray into uh, fundraising. And so I thought that was a attainable goal. And we're about 75% there. And last question before we let you go, and we really, really appreciate you being with us. Post-heart attack, uh, can the American Heart Association and your PCP and others provide a kind of aftercare program to rehabilitate? Usually you would go through your PCP, of course, for cardiac rehabilitation. And I know through WellMed, we definitely have those services available. Um, Also through um, a lot of the local hospitals have specific cardiac rehabilitation programs that patients can go through after a heart attack. Um, Where the American Heart Association comes in is in education um, when it comes to things like smoking cessation, things like good diet and and food, healthy food, and those CPR, hands-free CPR courses. Oh, I keep saying hands-free. Hands-only CPR courses. Yeah, hands-free CPR would be a cool trick. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, we'll just do it with our minds. Now, your kiddo's (laughs) proud of mommy in the women wear red campaign? What do they say? Yeah, well, I've got my daughter, Sophia, who is an eighth grader, um, needed to do some community service for her um, junior honor society. And so she's been helping out. She's come to all the events and she's one of my fundraisers too. Oh, that's really cool. Well, I thank you so much for joining us. And before we go, Carol, you get the last word. I just want to thank Dr. Charles for for joining us, for um, representing WellMed and raising funds for the American Heart Association. And I know within WellMed, we are supporting you. Thank you. Well, that's cool. Dr. Marisa Charles, we're so happy to have you with us. Dr. of Osteopathy and co-host of WellMed Radio. Thanks for being with us on Caregiver SOS On Air. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll catch you next time on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. On a cold February morning in Indianapolis, Tony Karitsis woke up, got dressed, loaded his sawed-off shotgun, and drove to his bank. He wasn't there to steal anything. He was there to take his life back. American Hostage is a new podcast starring me, John Hamm, that tells the true story of one man who channeled the rage of a nation and took justice into his own hands. Follow American Hostage wherever you get your podcasts, or you can binge all eight episodes right now on Amazon Music or Wondery Plus.